This episode of the Fastest Known Podcast is presented by Onyx Backcountry. We're here celebrating Great Outdoors Month with Onyx Backcountry and Leave No Trace. For the month of June, you can get a year of access to Onyx Backcountry's offline GPS mapping app, which is an essential tool for research and planning your next FKT. For just $10, they'll donate the net proceeds to Leave No Trace. Learn more at onyxmaps.com slash greatoutdoors. Thank you. Thank you, everyone, for joining the Fastest Known Podcast with a minimum of shuck and jive and a maximum of fun conversations with really interesting people. We have a special feature, a doubleheader tonight with two folks on. And first of all, there's Alex Falconer, who did the Boundary Waters Traverse. We're going to find out exactly what that is in a minute. But first, from Eden Park, Minnesota, welcome, Alex. Hey, thanks. For, thank you so much for having me on. And Alex, who is joining us on this podcast today? Uh, we are joined by, I'm sure people listening know her, is Claire Gallagher, um, who you know runs for Patagonia and La Sportiva and was out uh, with me on the Bondoir's Traverse. I think I've heard of this person. I think she, the name <laughs> sounds familiar. Thanks for having us, Buzz. It's great <laughs> to talk to you. Buzz and I go way back for all the <laughs> listeners. Uh, Buzz, are you in Michigan or, or Colorado right now? I'm probably a mile away from you in Boulder, Colorado. Oh, great. That's sweet. You're you're back in the hood. That's awesome. Right. Yep. Indeed. <laughs> I should have just run to your house. <laughs> that actually, that's true. You could... That's true, but this is what happens, you know. When, when you're, it's like when you're late to a meeting, people talk about you behind your back. So if you're late to a podcast, people get to make jokes about you. So this exactly. Yeah. But, and, and Alex, Alex is in Eden Prairie. I'm pretty sure, right, Alex? Eden Prairie. That's right. Eden Prairie, Minnesota, outside the Twin Cities. Yeah. And and Alex and I were just discussing. I'm going to be uh, thirty miles from Boundary Waters. In another two and a half weeks, I'll be in Isle Royal, actually, in two and a half weeks oh, from now. Cool. What are you doing? Are you uh, backpacking there? I'm swatting mosquitoes there. <laughs> <laughs> definitely, it's definitely mosquito season. <laughs> well, also, also, I'll be, and I don't know, I'm like a backpack, but I hope to run across the island on the Green Ridge Trail, and I'm bringing my surf ski, so I'm going to be doing a little paddling out there as well. Oh, my gosh, Buzz, this is incredible. Yeah, so your hamstring's awesome. better? Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, we, we haven't seen each other in a while, Claire, so. I know. We'll I have know to catch can... up. Yeah. Buzz, are you going out there by yourself, or is Mimi going? What's the? Mimi's yeah. going with me. Great. Um, yeah, and as Alex and I were talking before the podcast started, and this is all topical. This is part of the podcast, folks. Yeah. We're not just shooting the shit here. Boundary Waters, Alex informed me at the start, is the most visited wilderness area in the United States, as distinguished from a national park. And offshore is Isle Royal, Michigan, which is the least visited national park in the United States. <laughs> hey, Alex or Buzz, do you know how many people go to Isle Royale, just out of curiosity? I think it's like the same number of people go to Yellowstone in one day. I think it's like 25, 35,000 for the okay, whole year. Per year. Okay. And then, Alex, you've told me this um, Boundary Waters is around 200,000, right? Yeah, about that. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that's for a wilderness area, that's, that's pretty exceptional. So that's why it's America's most visited and my what? most beloved. 
You're most <laughs> beloved. Let's fill people in here, Alex. I mean, we, we record audio, but we have video so we can see each other. You have your Boundary Water sweatshirt. You sent some photos in. So when people go to the show notes, they're going to see your Save the Boundary Waters uh, T-shirt. And so you also just did the Boundary Waters Traverse, which is on foot. And that's going across the entire uh, wilderness area, I believe, on foot. The first person to ever do it. So fill us in on this FKT that you just completed over the span of two days, May 22nd and May 23rd. Yeah, actually, it's pretty cool. It was a, it was a month ago today. Wow. <laughs> didn't, you, didn't even put that together. Time has flown. Um, yeah, so the Boundary Waters, it's, <laughs> the Boundary Waters itself is 1.1 million acres of wilderness that's typically uh, traversed via canoe. It's, it's canoe country. Uh, there's 1,100 lakes. All that is interconnected by rivers, marshes, streams, bogs, et cetera. Um, and so, but there's also uh, several established backpacking hiking routes. Um, uh, two of which I linked together to form the Boundary Waters Traverse. So there's the, they run east to west and they meet in the middle. Um, the Border Route Trail, which is about roughly 70 or so miles, um, that starts on the eastern side of the Boundary Waters and heads heads to the middle. And then the Kekikabic Trail, which is another 40 miles, picks up from there and then heads to the to the town, uh, nearby to the town of Ely. Um, so it's a, uh, 110 miles, uh, roughly about 18,000 feet of elevation gain throughout, which, you know, when you're talking Minnesota, people are like, how can you have that much elevation gain? But it's really just kind of a death by a thousand cuts of just going up and down, up and down, you know, 500 foot, uh, cliff up to the top of a view overlooking Canada and the, the expansive boreal forest and the lakes and then down again, and then just repeat that constantly. Um, so that's, Roughly the the ten thousand foot view of of the the boundary waters traverse. Excellent job, Alex. Now you had Claire and a few other people go out as support people. So Claire flew out from Colorado to support you on this. And Claire, this was kind of this wasn't just to support Alex. This is so, to support Boundary Waters itself, was it not? Yeah, absolutely. I've known Alex for a few years now, and I'm. He was the first person to really drive home what's at risk here. Um, one of the most pristine places on planet Earth. Uh, water you can drink out of. You know, you don't need a, a filter for a lot of these places. You just take your soft flask and, and dip right in. And yeah, this is the first time I've ever been here. I have a ton of family from the Midwest. Um, that's that's actually who I was just with. <laughs> so we were talking Boundary Waters. Um, and. And I had never seen it for myself. And honestly, it was this incredible idea that Alex had, you know, wow, maybe I can combine my ultra running passion with, with my passion to save this place and, and complete something completely, you know, the, the first ever done. And, and Alex, by all means, I mean, he's the real deal. Like, I, Alex, like I've been, I've been saying it ever since I left Minnesota. I just am so, so inspired by your dedication to this cause, you know, to prevent this sulfide or copper mine from happening, but also your dedication to the details. So Buzz, as you know, like you, you've spent a lot of time in, in Michigan and in many, many remote areas in the world and Boundary Waters is as remote as it gets. Like, 
you got to really have your, your logistics down. And Alex had everything dialed. Like he had multiple aid stations where people canoed over two hours to get to us. To see us for, you know, five, 15 minutes. Like these were yeah. Save the Boundary Waters staff members. So these are people on the campaign, right? They're like hardcore canoers. So luckily they were they're able to canoe this far. They're giving us, you know, dehydrated pad thai in the middle of nowhere. And and then we're like, thank you. We got to keep going. And um, Alex hasn't set his time yet, but I think 38 hours is, is more stout than we might think, you know, it's the first ever. And, and we had Kyle Piatari, who's um, an incredible ultra runner in his own right, pace Alex for the last 40 miles. Um, I mean, Alex was running like, <laughs> So let, let, let me let me let me get this picture here because as it happens, I've been there. For people who don't know, Boundary Waters is iconic in certain places of the country. It's way up there, like you say, Claire. It's north of Duluth. It's right on the Canadian border. It's in the middle of nowhere. And as Alex started off by saying, it's mainly done by canoe portage, portage, big canoe trips. But Alex ran it. So Claire, what I'm hearing is Alex got his support by people canoeing into the trail crossings. <laughs> I mean, it was next level, Buzz. I have never <laughs> seen station like this. Like these three women from his campaign, they, they canoed for three hours one way, had to do this pretty gnarly, you know, gnarly portages. They camped for a full day, um, a night, and during pissing rain the whole time that's when i was running with alex i mean it's the most wet i've ever been on land to be honest like, <laughs> like he went from it was so like hardcore minnesota i just can't get over it like we went from 100 degree heat in the afternoon or it was like 90 degree heat so you know it was legit it was humid and then it dropped down to 40 degrees with rain at night and <laughs> and no one alex alex doesn't complain are you kidding me? Like, <laughs> you're from Minnesota. I, I'm, I'm in the back, like, you know, counting my blessings. Like, all right, at least I only have 30 miles to run. Like, but it truly was beautiful. But I, I just, I think this should be inspiring to all listeners who want a real adventure, real logistics challenge planning challenges you know the the outfitters in grand marais and ely minnesota know can like hook you up if you want to go do an epic run up there um it's as it's as like real as it gets when it comes to like remote really really epic trail running (laughs) which you (laughs) never know right buzz like have you ever run in the boundary waters no 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 no. i've actually canoed there before when i went up to run the superior trail 100 i think the boundary waters is so amazing i just took a quick detour and rented a canoe for a day just to experience (laughs) a tiny microscopic little bit of it because as you know claire those portages are not easy these people are stout you know we're just these little boulder wusses you know we just don't measure up i mean so alex has three kids the oldest is in seventh grade they're like carrying more gear than than me and kyle piatari i'm not kidding buzz it was like a total lesson in humble pie and i mean one amazing thing about the boundary waters too for listeners who maybe have family members who don't run is that it's extremely accessible you know like 
even though it's remote wilderness, like if you can sit in a canoe, like you can, you can experience it. And I think maybe that's why you see the high visitation numbers. Um, but for people looking for this like therapeutic wilderness experience, it's, it's really, you know, top of the charts. Wow. Um, Okay. So I think we're, see, uh, uh, Alex, did you pay Claire to give you this description? Because look, at, you got this FKT one day, 14 hours, 15 minutes. Now, after listening to Claire, no one's going to go after it. People go, oh, no, I'm not going to do that. No, <laughs> yeah. Buzz, it was 38 hours. This was 110 miles. <laughs> but yeah. 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 Alex, yeah, have you heard the, of. The, as I said, this is one of the cool things about the Bondi that you're touching on, the accessibility of it that. You know, like grandparents can bring their grandkids in and have this backcountry wilderness experience. Uh, you can drink out of the lake, so you don't have to bring, you don't have to carry water with you. So, um, you know, you don't have to hike into a desert or up a mountain to get this remote feeling. You can float off in a canoe. Uh, and that just makes it just so special. And, and yeah, I think you're right. It's that helps with the visitation numbers. It's, it's also the only wilderness of appreciable size within a driving distance of the entire you know, Midwest metropolitan areas, you know, you can be in Kansas city and head North with the, with the car and, and be on the edge of the wilderness within a day's drive. And then the next day set off on your adventure. So it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's kind of, it's the crown jewel of, of the Midwest. Nice. Nice. And canoes are part of the culture. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's, you're, if you're up there, there's a, like a canoe on every car top. Yeah, you headed up I thirty five in the summer. You're gonna you're gonna count uh, countless canoes. You lose you lose track pretty quickly. <laughs> what Alex? Alex's family has two canoes on the top of their car. But <laughs> it, was, it was so amazing, and his kids were like the smartest, like most knowledgeable boundary waters like kids literally of all time. Um, the whole crew just is obsessed with his whole family. His amazing wife Erica. And uh, like, if anything, Buzz, like my take home from spending over a week with Alex, his family, the campaign is like, this is a place of serious connection. Like there's serious human connection going on in the boundary waters. You know, you don't have service. Most of the time you're in there, you're in wilderness. There's amazing indigenous history, history with the Ash, um, Ashinaabe tribe. Um, it's it's something that kind of stops you in your tracks when you think about what could be lost if this copper mine were to be built. Hmm. And so I just I just want to give major kudos to Alex and to the entire campaign and to everyone listening. I think you should check out Buzz will put it in the show notes. Um how you right. can contact your representative to to say, so regardless of what state you live in, if you live in Colorado, Tennessee, California, you can tell your rep, because there's a bill in the House of Reps right now, hey, I care about the Boundary Waters. I think you should support this bill. And Alex has has made this letter. Um, and and yeah, even listening to this podcast is enough, you know, gives you enough authority to say, yeah, this sounds like a place worth saving, you know, and hopefully, hopefully this will pass this year. But Alex is the real expert when that when it comes to the policy <laughs> side of it. So correct me if I'm wrong, Alex. Yeah, no, you, you nailed it all. We've kind of touched on it a little bit, but just so listeners know, there's you've got this amazing water-based wilderness, um, and there's a proposal to build a, a massive sulfate or a copper mine 
right on the edge of it, all of, all within the watershed. Um, Salvador copper mining itself just has a 100% track record of polluting uh, nearby surface and groundwater. And when you take that that risk and place it right next to the boundary waters uh, wilderness, uh, it's just a, it's a recipe for disaster. And so we have a bill in Congress um, to uh, to to withdraw the minerals from the federal leasing program. So these are on federal public lands. Um, and the, that essentially just means that it, it will stop the ability for the federal government to provide these lands to be mined to companies. Um, and so, so yeah, so signing the petition, it really does make a big deal. This isn't just, you know, uh, uh, clickbait activism. Um, you know, if we get 20 people from some random district in California that, that send a note into their congressperson, they'll take note because then suddenly their constituents are talking up about this place in, in Minnesota and, you know, got to look into this. Um, so the bill has been introduced. It'll be in front of the Natural Resources Committee sometime in the fall. Um, and so everything that we can do to, to highlight this um, will, will help greatly. Excellent. So as Claire said, it will be in the written show notes. And it's easy to remember, savetheboundarywaters.org. Sign the petition, write a letter to your congressman. So good call, Claire. And I really appreciate you a great deal, Alex, because I like the combo. I mean, you're obviously, as Claire said, a serious athlete. You did this 110-mile first ever traverse. You had it dialed. You had the logistics buttoned up. You had a great Woo! run. <laughs> and at the same time, you're doing public access work for the benefit of everybody else. I mean, you know, the rest of the United States and Canada, for that matter, you're working on all our behalf at the same time. So I really appreciate that. I Hopefully, most people who recreate, as John Muir did, learn to love what they're on. You know, as the founding of the Sierra Club, you go out there, you have a good time, you come back, you want to protect it. It's that one-two punch. And you're a good example of that, Alex. Yeah, thanks so much. And it's even for people that aren't able to make it out. I mean, there's the big threat to the Tongass, uh, you know, forest in, in Alaska. I've never been there. It's hard to get to. But you see, that's one of the good things, I guess, about social media is that you can see the pictures, you can spread awareness and just the visuals of it all. And so just knowing that a place like this exists uh, is is comforting to many people to you know there's still wild places out there where moose and bears can roam free and not have to worry about about trucks driving by um and uh and it can be protected this is all uh, american public lands it belongs to everybody somebody just in florida just as much as it does to me here in minnesota so uh it's, it's you know some of the greatest things that this country's ever done is setting aside spaces um to be left free from modern development and industrial activity and uh i just really want to help keep this place as pristine as it is today for future generations Excellent. Well said. And Claire, obviously, you've been around the world. And I think a lot of people in the States don't think about the Midwest, do they? You think, oh, mountains, 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 mountains. But the upper Midwest, you identified that you can dip your bottle into this water and just drink it. That's that's next level stuff. So you were impressed yeah. up there. Absolutely. I mean, there's not cows around there. Um, it I... When I was preparing for this trip, I asked my grandfather, who is from Kenosha, Wisconsin, originally, uh, you know, pops, like, what did you ever go to the Boundary Waters? 
he's 91 years old and he said, Oh, Claire, are you kidding me? (laughs) (laughs) He's a total legend in our family. And he's like, he's like, when I was in med school in Marquette, um, which is in Milwaukee, he's like, we, I took two of my buddies up there. We spent five weeks in the boundary waters. We ate canned food and fish. (laughs) We went deep, deep into Canada he goes, it was amazing. And, and, and to know that my experience 70 years later was very similar to my grandfather's in terms of, in terms of the remoteness, the pristineness, you know, we saw, um, you know, Alex, Alex is running alongside sea otters or excuse me, river otters in his scouting routes. We see moose tracks snapping turtles to know that I had a similar experience to my 91 year old grandfather is, is incredible. Like this is something we have to be so proud of as Americans that we've made it this far. Like we haven't fucked this place up yet. So let's keep it this way, (laughs) you know? And, and I think it, it should be said that yes, like as we electrify our, our region, our, energy economy we do need precious minerals precious metals hard metals like copper uh but but frankly there are other places in in the world and even in the u.s that there are better places to have a copper mine and and we have to say no to places like this we just have to you know like this is way below our pay grade like if we're willing to to possibly pollute this pristine freshwater source I, you really can't stump lower, I think, as a species. Right. So that's my well, Claire. What an what an interesting example you had. This that was striking. You had the same experience as your grandfather. Wow, that's different, <laughs> yeah. isn't it? So the place. I mean, I mean, the main difference is that he was using a wooden canoe and Alex was using a Kevlar canoe. But other than <laughs> that, the place was the same. Exactly. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. That's good. I like that a lot. And then, like you said, we're used to the mountains, et cetera, et cetera. But you go there, and your your experience, Claire, is probably similar to mine, which is, whoa, I don't really understand this. I'm not that good <laughs> at this terrain. You know what I mean? It would like Alex knows it, like you said, but it would take yeah. you and I a long time to know how to move flawlessly in that environment. 100 percent that's i definitely felt like a fish out of water buzz um yeah i'm used to you know dry more buff trails with like more steep vert in one go uh this trail is gnarly like the border route trail is 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 impressive alex alex's pace was impressive he actually dropped me at the end i i basically (laughs) I was like walking. I'm I'm on my mile thirty. He's on his mile sixty five. It's midnight or one a.m. I, I I fell and like hit my leg. <laughs> and and our photographer Brendan, we have this incredible friend Brendan who who shot um, almost fifty miles of the run. Ran with uh, Alex every step. He he went ahead to like go you know get Alex warm clothes prepared and. 
I just fell back. I was like, I, I, this is, this has been like an altering experience. Like I, I know I'm about to be done. And, and Alex to his credit is just trudging forward. And then I think he realized I wasn't with him. You know, his pacer is like, he dropped me. <laughs> and he was like, Claire, are you okay? And I was like, yeah, I'm fine. Like, just <laughs> you know, it was one of those experiences. It just is like, it's real stuff. It's, it's the stuff we live for. Right. You know, oh, it's so right. good. <laughs> what a delight to get that experience of another part of our country, our incredibly diverse country, because again, yeah. we're our, as ultra running, we're sort of oriented around the Western United States, aren't we? Uh, Colorado, California gets a lot of attention. So it's really fun in the FKT world to see these fantastic routes, these fantastic experiences pop up all over the continent. Absolutely. I mean, Buzz, this is this is your doing. You and Peter created this beast, so you should you should just sit with it. You know, like Alex. <laughs> I mean, you, I think you would have you would have come up with this idea, Alex, regardless had FKT not existed. But let's let's be real. I mean, FKT, especially in the year of the pandemic, has really jump-started so many incredible routes around the world. That's right. That's completely true, Claire. Thank you for that call-out. And we indeed receive around 30 submissions per day right now <laughs> in sometimes different languages, and they're from all over the world. And like you said, it's just people said, hey, I got an idea here. I want to be creative. This is kind of interesting. I'm, hopefully I'm not diverging too much, but in a way, races are a sport. Okay, that's great, just like other sports. But FKTs are a little bit more like art. It's a little bit more like music, isn't it? In that mm. there's a creativity to it. There's rules that you have to follow. But then like jazz, you can kind of go within those rules and create something that has meaning to you. And so I think uh, that's, we, I get interviewed all the time by magazines, mm. I guess. Belgium magazine you know, called me up yesterday and they say, why are people doing FKTs? And I wanted to tell them about, you know, Charlie Parker and jazz riffs, but I decided, no, I don't think they're going to get that. So hopefully some of our listeners will understand that we play by the rules. It's a level playing field. You have to verify your FKT, but after that, you can make it meaningful to you. You can make it work for you anywhere in this continent. Oh, yeah, that's definitely. That it's totally, yeah, that's really cool. It's totally music. I mean, Alex, I'll let you fill in because you're such a musician. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is. That's a. It's a. It's a cool analogy. There's. There's definitely an art to it. I mean, so many of these things. I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I assume some FKTs maybe come out of somebody winning a, a race and setting a new record, but the the bulk majority of them that I've seen anyway. Or people just creating a route, or just taking something that's been established and, and giving it their all, and trying to trying to put it up. I mean, for myself in the in the in the Boundary Waters, I've I've established six different or six new routes just on on the FKT side. I mean, these trails existed already, but part of what I'm trying to do is just is put these up so the trail running community learns about it. You know, they can search the map and they see, oh, there's this cluster of activity going on in northern Minnesota, and can look into it check it out um, and see that here's the boundary wires. And then they click on my notes. It's always an advocacy pitch. Um, and it's trying to bring the the running, the trail running world 
uh, into this as a new audience for our campaign. And we talk to paddlers and, and boundary waters enthusiasts and clean water advocates all the time. But the, the trail running community is a, is a different audience um, for our for our campaign. And I think, you know, Claire is a glaring example. Um, and I don't mean glaring as in a pejorative sense, is a shining example, perhaps, of trail running activism for the environment and climate. Um, you know, I think trail runners in general just have such a, a unique and intimate uh, experience with the land that they're crossing. I mean, it's hard not to, you know, just one foot in front of the other as you, as you go for a hundred miles, um, that it just brings us appreciation and awareness for, for, for the environment. And, you know, we need these swaths of protected lands to pursue our, you know, what a lot of people would call an, an insane hobby, but, um, and there's a lot of other reasons that we should be protecting our public lands, but, um, you know, trail runners, I think, have a unique perspective on why we need these places left untouched. I agree. And Claire, I'm going to ask you this. Alex stimulated a question, a question in my mind, which is I certainly strongly, as you can tell, agree that we have to you know, protect what we use. And it's a, it's a package deal. By being out there and appreciating these things, we, we learn to want to protect it. How do you see that? Because you're very active in this field with your work through with Patagonia, who's a very strong corporate partner. Do you think, Claire, that trail runners are stepping up enough? I mean, should we be more aware? Should we be more participatory? How do you see this? Well, it's all relative. So I think it would have to be like are they stepping up compared to what considering there are roughly 8 million self-identified trail runners in the U S according to one of the last, um, outdoor industry association polls. I mean, that's a lot of people like eight, 8 million plus. Um, are we doing enough for what's happening right now? You know, like, we are in the middle of a climate crisis, of a ecosystem collapse crisis. And I would like to think on the positive side of things, Buzz and Alex, we have people like Alex, we have people like Jordan Marie Daniels, we have people like Lydia Jennings, like um, this guy in London, um, his name's MJ, it's MJ Johnson. He's a new Patagonia Europe ambassador who's doing a lot of work with, um, air pollution in, in European cities. I mean, yeah, I think on the whole trail runners are stepping up. Can we do more always? And, and it's an opportunity to go make art, right? Like Alex just did. It's an opportunity to spend your night looking at a map and getting stoked, you know, like, yes, it's really depressing to think about where we are as a species and where our world is in this, in the Anthropocene. But, you know, we only have a few years on this planet. Like, what can we do with our time? You know, and trail runners have this unique experience, unique ability to go make beautiful change. And I think we're doing it. Good. Yeah. Good. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you for saying that. So everyone listening, go to the written show notes. You can click on that link from that Alex has up there. He's throwing down. Claire's throwing down. So I think we all ought to do our part. And as I always do during the podcast, 
I'm going to ask Alex, what's next? What do you think, Alex? What's next for you? <laughs> what is next? Um, well, so a, a, a cool part of this was that we did have a film crew that was out documenting parts of the run. Um, I'm headed up in a couple of weeks to get some more B-roll footage with them. Uh, we're hoping to get a short, a short uh, vid cut by the by sometime early fall, late summer, early fall. Um, I think what I what I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to carry this forward. I think using the film as kind of a nucleus of uh, of doing community presentations. Um, Minnesota's got this amazing state park system, and so one of the ideas I have jogging around is trying to see if if I can get a trail run in each state park within a year um, and do a community presentation uh, about the campaign and the, the boundaries issue for each one and invite people to come, come for a, for a run. I mean, the trails are like somewhere between five and seven or four and seven miles generally on average. So nothing too much and something people could just come and hike it to uh, for that matter. But uh, so just can, keeping, keeping the boundary waters, the running for the boundary waters project moving forward um, as using this as kind of the hook to get people interested in, and join in, maybe, you know, educate some more people, bring them along with and turn them into advocates in their own right. So that's kind of, that's one of the ideas is kind of kicking around. Nice. So there could be a film coming out of this. Yeah. Yeah. There'll be a film. Um, yeah. Late summer, early fall. Just, you know, late, late summer, know, early fall. So when that comes out, Alex, please put it in your, just add it. Well, actually you can't, it's hard to add. You can send it to us and we'll add it to your FKT trip report. Okay. Sure. Absolutely. So we'll add a link by late summer to the film on the Boundary Waters Traverse. And Claire, I could Woo! ask what's next for you. I mean, is there something going on this weekend that we should know about? Yeah. So <laughs> assuming this is airing on Friday, uh, tomorrow I'll be running hopefully the entire hundred miles of Western States <laughs> and yeah, feeling good, feeling excited. You know, it's a total privilege to get to race uh, any hundred mile run. You know, it's a huge, huge sacrifice for all the people coming out to support me and crew me. And yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to have a ball and, and work my tushy off. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're right. We're recording this on June 22nd, but that will release this very Friday at 6 a.m. as that always does mountain time, which means 24 hours later, the gun will go off and you will start running across the Sierra Nevada. Um, should we yeah. do a little mini prediction contest here, Claire, or would that be too overt? Would that be just <laughs> too much? I mean, yeah, you can predict away, Buzz. I, I'd love to hear your prediction. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you're right. Well, we're 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 ultra runners. We don't like to do things like that. We we like to just go out there and have a good time. But we all know that you throw down. You are the 2019 champion, and I think the closest women's race ever. And mm -hmm. and it's 2021. It wasn't a 2020. It's going to be very competitive on the female side, especially as many former winners are going to be there. Beth Beth Pascal from the UK is going to be there, so it's it's going to be a competitive event. Yeah, uh, Beth is um, 
I'm excited to run with her. She is, well, hopefully I get to run with her. She is incredible competition. (laughs) The women's field is unique because there's a lot more international women than the men's field. So that'll be interesting to see how it shakes out and it's going to be super hot and we better be smiling at Forest Hill. Otherwise, <laughs> otherwise tell us to just go home, you know? <laughs> well, you, you've, if, 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 if smiles win it, and according to Elliot Kipchoge, they do. The science <laughs> on smiling is very good, by the way. Mm. And so I, I appreciate that, Claire. That's a very, very good advice. I yeah. have, I have advice for you. I have a quote for you. Oh, let's hear it, please. Okay, this is from Joni Mitchell. Oh, nice. <laughs> Wild women run fast. Oh, fun. Thank you. <laughs> Joni Mitchell be, herself. <laughs> I'll be channeling the, the calls of the loons of the Boundary Waters during Western States and... Um, you sang that Joni Mitchell's, uh, lyrics, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, Claire, in all seriousness, uh, thank you. Thank you for your work. Your work has just been fabulous. Your spirit is very well appreciated. Thank you for joining us on this podcast. And I'd like to thank Patagonia also for the work that they're doing to support environmental causes. And Alex, wow, what an inspiration you threw down. Mm-hmm. You created an amazing route. You did the FKT, and you're spearheading this effort to save the whole area for everybody, all of us. So thank you, Alex, very, very much. Yeah, well, thanks for uh, letting us have the platform to, to talk about this and hopefully bring some more people into the to the campaign. And again, please go to the notes, uh, click on the link to the petition, and, and uh, just do your part to help us protect this place. <laughs> <laughs>